four, three, two, one. But the spirit of the depths said, no one can or should halt sacrifice. Sacrifice is not destruction. Sacrifice is the foundation stone of what is to come. Have you not had monasteries? Have not countless thousands gone into the desert? You should carry the monastery in yourself. The desert is within you. Does the desert calls and draws you back. And if you were fettered to the world with iron, the call of the desert would break all chains. Truly, I prepare you for solitude. And there's a quote uh, from Carl Jung uh, in the Red. Jung! Carl Jung? You sound like yeah, Carl Jung. such a southern boy. Carl, Carl Jung. Jung. Carl Jung. Carl my, Jung. My boy. Car- Carl Jung. Uh, yeah, I've been reading a lot of the Red Book. Um, and it's uh, it's profound. Sounds pretty uh, crazy. Saturated. Well, he's talking. He 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 starts the book with um, pretty much. It's he's having a conversation with two spirits, right? And right. Uh, this one of the spirits is called the spirit of our time, right? And it and that changes based off of culture and and society and and the spirit of the time would be akin to Satan, right? And then there's the spirit of the depths, which is the spirit that always exists, manifests truth, you know, manifests uh, the human soul, things like that. So the spirit of the depths is akin to God and the spirit of our time. They're not that I don't think they're direct comparisons because he doesn't necessarily think the spirit of our time is bad. Right. Like most people's right. idea of what Satan is. But it's it leads people down a path of meaninglessness if, right. if all they listen to is the spirit of the time. And right. so he's talking about sacrifice there, which I thought would, you know, uh, be similar to your situation right now where you're, you know, and it says, uh, you know, you, we should carry the desert within ourselves. And whenever the, the spirit of our time forges chains around our being going into the desert, which is solitude, it, which is inside of yourself, you know, sacrificing things that, that you don't necessarily want to, but by sacrificing, it's not destruction you're actually laying the foundation and the spirit of the depths works that way where it's contradictory to what you would assume. You would assume that by getting rid of things based off of logic, that would remove a foundation, right? Foundations imply having, but the spirit of the depths is like, it no. draws you to the foundation because the foundation is omnipresent sort of. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. it doesn't it's rely similar. on your, your, uh, your habits and your, your way of life. Yeah. For sure. Profound, Joel. Profound. Yes. Uh, That's my middle name. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how, how was the, uh, the camping trip? I saw you setting up a tent outside of the house. Please tell me you did not camp in your backyard. No, I was uh, setting up the tent so that I could like uh, clean it out because there was dirt inside of it and stuff. And it's my parents' tent. So trying to yeah. take good care of it. But no, yeah. it was it was really good. Um, it was it was really good actually. It was it was really beautiful, obviously, and it was nice to kind of like just a deep, God? deep quiet. I did, dude. No, well, I don't. I don't know. But I saw you were on drugs, though. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Never, never. You were. You went mm-hmm. out there with a bunch of your fucking hippie Christian friends, 
Uh, and you all sat around. <laughs> yeah, hippie Christians are the worst, bro. Secular Christians <laughs> are thing? the worst humans. Oh my God, are you kidding me? You go to fucking youth group. You know what that shit's like. A bunch of a bunch of people who go to church, a bunch of kids, uh, not really my age anymore, but a bunch of younger younger adults, as they like to call them in church, to not make them feel small, which they are. They go into church <laughs> and they they lift their hands and they worship and shit. And then once the second they get out of church, they fucking are right in the world. They're they're into all the fucking. They're into drugs. They they swear. They're at church. They're totally different people and that makes yeah. it that is the grossest christian that is the grossest i it might even be besides pure evil beings such as rapists and murderers might be the worst type of people well i mean but, somebody who's like if you can if you can you, it, it's debatable that if you can d- define evil right so if you know what somebody is, like if you know somebody's a pedophile, you know that you, you can define their point of evil. It's actually better than somebody who's like 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 somebody who's two faced and pretends to be good, but underneath that goodness there's there's like twelve layers of hell, you know. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's evil evil is a complicated Because they're just convoluting because... the state of the state of reality. They're convoluting everything for everybody. They're lying. You know, they're choosing and to be deceptive, which and deception is what, what really tears everything apart at the end of the day. I think we can both agree As our that. Lord and Savior, Jordan Peterson state says. Okay, relax. Uh, relax. As our as our as our sacrificial lamb, the blood of the blood of the Almighty, Jordan Peterson would say <laughs> Tell either tell either tell the truth or at least don't lie. Right. May he rest. May he rest in eternal bliss. What is he dead or something? No, no. Uh, actually, though, he just he came. His first podcast was just a few days ago. Listen, all right. I want to talk. Let me let me let me talk for just a little bit. All right, before you interrupt me, which I know you want. Okay, I want do. to though. Okay, I know you do. I know you do. But uh, <laughs> just hold off. Listen to the spirit of the depths for just a second. Um, oh God. <laughs> So he, he, uh, his first podcast was recent. You should definitely watch it, but it was on his daughter's podcast. Um, and he came back mm-hmm. and they pretty much go over what happened because he just left two years ago, mm-hmm. two years ago, I think a year and a half, he just stopped going out publicly and nobody really knew what was happening. And then we got some updates. Uh, but essentially his wife got cancer. He got depressed. He went on antidepressants. He got super addicted uh started going on like withdrawals withdrawal. were crazy yeah bad. then yeah. he went to rehab yeah and then he almost died from withdrawals and then he had ridiculous anxiety where the way he describes it he said that it it was like being poked with a hot a hot iron stick repeatedly at all times of all day you know what i mean and he said he said that he couldn't he didn't see how people could live more than a year like that like without committing suicide just because of how torturous it was. He says the only thing, and this is, he said he would rather be whipped. He was like comparing. He's like, I don't know. I, I, there was points where I was like, I would rather be whipped all day than this poking that he was feeling. Right. And he said the only whip. And then he started saying like the cat of nine tails was probably worse, but uh, a whip, just a normal whip probably would have been better. Right. And then it's just a crazy story, bro. How he, he went, they went to Russia and uh, 
because nobody in America. So he got so addicted to this drug, right? And they try to get him off of it. But if he would have gotten off of it, his body would have like died, right? Because that's right. how that's how addicted, dependent his body was on these drugs. And they were antidepressant. They didn't even help. And so he, and then he got, um, I think he got ammonia at the hospital in America, right? <laughs> While he was in a coma from the this withdrawal or something like that. And then so his daughter. Because the doctors were like, we can't do it. We can't do it. Nobody in America wanted to fucking do it or in North America. Right. Right. And so his daughter found somewhere in Russia, apparently in the middle of fucking nowhere, where it was this hospital that was like a prison. They said they had like huge walls and like Russian military, like walking around the border. Right. And they described it as like Michaela took him there. And apparently everybody there was like deathly ill. Like they were dying. There was no hope for them. That's why they were at this hospital. Right. And the doctor, when she, she said, when she brought him here, that the doctor, like the person to the front looked at her and said in Russian, which can you imagine it's snowing? It's like a blizzard outside. You see all these guards standing around with like, <laughs> That's such an people around you dying. And she, she says, she says, why have you brought him here? You brought him here to die. And then, like, he's, like, in a coma right now. You know, she's just trying to get some help. And he's, like, it's, it's like, a crazy-ass story. And you know what? I, I wonder, uh, because I truly believe in the premise that evil and good have to equal each other, right? And so Jordan Peterson, I believe, was, was a light. I don't think he is a light, but he was a light. He, was a, he, he said things that a lot of people needed to hear. And so he manifested a, a very particular type of goodness, a very bright light in the world. And so in order for reality to function, right, the spirit of our time to to get evil had to take place. Right. And so you watch this and it, listening to a story. That it's almost sense. demonic. The, the pain. Like. It's just it's kind of mind blowing because he really in a way he went to hell. Right. He, he went to hell. Well, and I don't and know. Also, I, don't I mean, Peter's it life. sounds like the nature of it was almost entirely. Um, what's what's the word? It was almost entirely like, okay. It, it was. I mean, he talks about it all the time. How um, how the how like chaos can strike at any point, right? So you're yeah. trying to con- conceive and construct and construct and construct, and then chaos can come in and wash it all out at any point in time. He talks about that all the time, <laughs> and then it just happened to him. Like, but what I'm trying to say is that it seems like very natural like it doesn't seem like something that he really like inflicted upon himself you know like it's not you know what i mean but i guess maybe i mean you can make an argument that everything is like that but it's just all right you want to hear another quote from young 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 uh you open the gates of the soul to let darkness dark flood of chaos flow into your order and meaning if you marry the order to the chaos you, pr- you produce the divine child, the supreme meaning beyond meaning and meaninglessness. What, you're afraid to open the door? I too was afraid, since we had forgotten that God is terrible. Christ taught God is love, but you should remember that love is also terrible. So there's a little bit of like, there's a little bit of comparison to between what God uh, Jordan Peterson and what every human goes through. I'm not saying Jordan Peterson is a, you know, I'm sure people have gone through way worse, but um, it, it's this idea that uh, when you produce order, 
the the only step after producing order is letting the dark flood of chaos wash over that order and and then you get this terrible you get this terrible existence for a short period of time but what that births what that birth is the order marrying the chaos right right when you marry order and chaos you produce the supreme child or and or the divine child which young later goes on to um uh what's it called elaborate on what that is and and stuff like that but uh that that being which is god in essence is beyond meaning and meaninglessness but it's but it's it's enlightenment it's purpose it's it's uh divinity right and so the only way to get that state is by first producing order and then allowing chaos to consume that order and then coming out of that chaos where then being above order and chaos you're you're beyond meaning which is order and meaninglessness which is chaos and you by marrying those two together you get the thing that is beyond both of them so it it could be that so by by sacrificing and then and then and then like undergoing the tempest is that like basically what you're saying so it's like you you sacrifice you sacrifice and then you survive the tempest and then you you've achieved the state is that do you think that's what carl you was saying i don't think it i don't think it's necessarily that you are right it's not it's not you you're because the the other idea is that People don't have ideas. Ideas have people. That's another one of his concepts that he's really he's really adamant about, right? And so right. it's not it's not it's not the idea that oh, if I can produce order and then I can also allow chaos to take over, then I will have the insight, right? That's not what it is. It's that you were a vessel of order, and then chaos came and destroyed that vessel in which took hold of you, and then by doing that you produce this ide- ideology that then possesses you to see past both of them. You're not, you're not creating anything. You have no capacity to create. You only have capacity to, to be influenced, right. And be a vessel for these forces that are outside of us. Right. That's what art is. You know, you're, you're right. being consumed by something that already exists, but you are bringing it into existence, which is kind of hard like to a catalyst. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and this is interesting with Jordan Peterson because when Jordan Peterson uh, first opened up, we needed him, right? We were getting the first inkling of taking away free speech of that social justice warrior movement of uh, whoever's, whoever is the most um, – what's it called? Whoever – what's it called? Uh, whoever is – when somebody is has bad attributes to them, they're like the biggest – What's the word? Um, the minority. What do you call a minority? They're, it's not privileged. It's the opposite of privileged. It's a word and I'm, I'm blanking out on it. Oppressed. Um, yes, yes. Whoever is the most oppressed, they, they scream louder and louder. And, and so we kind of needed Jordan Peterson and other, other voices to raise up and say, hey, listen, you guys, whoever's saying this clearly has no understanding of history or the world or humanity at all. Like you, you just don't understand what you're talking about, right? And so Jordan Peterson and and came in and shed a light on that, and it helped sway a lot of people like you and me to get a better understanding of what exactly is happening, not only in the minds of humans who are, you know, yelling about this crazy bullshit about being oppressed, and it's like it's like even the poorest in America 
are nothing compared to the poorest around the rest of the world. Even the right. oppressed in America are nothing compared to the oppressed. Not even like in the world currently, but imagine living a thousand years ago. The right. kings that lived a thousand years ago were more oppressed and, and had a harder life than the people who are poor and oppressed right now. And, and so there's, there's a little bit of um, understanding that needs to go on. Um, but then it kind of quieted down, right? And then Jordan Peterson started going through this shit. And now it's sparking back up in a flame that is four times stronger and four times as, as big. Uh, and yeah, it's what if what if just like young was saying how okay you produce order and then the only next step is for chaos to come in to consume you but by doing that by marrying that relationship you then produce a higher being out of that mm -hmm. and so what if jordan peterson my 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 opinion is that he's going to come back even stronger right right because times need are going to require him to come back stronger and the universe understands that i believe and so the only logical conclusion to make jordan peterson stronger was to <laughs> first send him to a deeper hell than he's ever been before so he can pull out from that hell the knowledge that we need now right so it's interesting it's interesting and that all could be bullshit uh yeah. i could just be making something totally out of nothing but at the same time either we believe that there's something going on or we believe or we're materialists. Personally, I'm not a materialist. I think that's a very horrible existence. We could just, we could just, uh, right. Chalk everything up to chance and be done with it. You know, like, Oh, well, yeah, you know, maybe, but you know, but at the same time, I don't think so. I just, I don't think so. I don't think that's smart. Um, I don't necessarily know how it works. I don't know if I would say there's actual, manifested entities sitting up on chairs somewhere judging humans who can see outside of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is something weird at work within our minds and our consciousness. And it's almost like we can communicate with each other subconsciously across time, across space. Right. You know, and, and we're all living myths and those myths we think are stories, especially in our, uh, the postmodern materialistic uh, era that we're in. Uh, where it's all science it's all science if it doesn't it, you can't replicate it it's fucking bullshit and i don't want to hear about it right that's that's kind of where we, we're going towards and i i it's just silly. Some people are it's going silly towards i don't feel it's like where most people are going <sighs> i don't i don't know Who's, who who there's a lot of people i just I'm, I'm taking my small little personal sample of the people well, in you're, my life you're, and, and extending it over the rest of humanity well, just because but, you go to a special ed class, right? And your special ed friends <laughs> oh, sit around and, and talk about when you're, when you're coloring God pictures of Noah good. with crayons. God is good. And they're all like, yeah, Joel, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I wouldn't take that example too far. <laughs> my friends who are highly esteemed academics, uh, we, we have you very like intense discussions. It's like the, the, no, they uh, the like brothers' traumas all right there. And I'm, uh, I'm always like, the Bible's real. <laughs> They're like, prove it. And I'm like, I can't, but it's real. <laughs> God has touched me. No, I was, I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast, um, the last couple of days I've been just listening to little bits of it, but it's, uh, James Lindsay, who's this 
he's I don't really know how to put a pin on exactly what he does, but he basically is going through he's a journalist and he's going through and um like uncovering a lot of like this far left stuff that's going on and like the roots of what's happening in the universities and now what's that? happening in a way broader context. His name's James Lindsay. Um <clears throat> but he was talking about how basically like these people were waiting for a Oh yeah, I was, I was watching him too. He's good. Yeah. Anyway. These people were waiting for like a, a a sprout, a seed of chaos to be produced so that they could then basically unravel this plan, like these political um what's the word? These polit like these political activists but more like the the people who really want the system torn down. Um, they were like preparing, they were preparing content, they were preparing online media, they were preparing books, they were preparing all of this stuff for like something like COVID and something like, um, oh man, how did I already forget? What was the, the guy that got his neck knelt on for a minute? What was his name again? Uh, I feel George, like George Floyd. Floyd, George Floyd. Yeah. I feel like everybody's going to be mad at me because I don't remember. Here's a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, basically, like, they had been creating content for, like, years. Ready for this COVID stuff. Ready for th- these elements of chaos that get people's anxiety and get people's, like, readiness to, to jump on the train of something else. Because the, the way this train currently, the direction it's going is kind of scary. So it's like they're ready for almost anything else. Like, but these political, like, destruction seekers, so to speak, were waiting for this moment. And they'd like, I've seen so much content, so much content. Every single day, if I go on Instagram, like, seven girls, eight, nine girls from my school put out like four little stories a day that just say like three sentences. And it's the most simple shit but it's trying to tell everybody how to think about the world and it pisses me off to to like no end man and i still like i've like thought every single day i think about like reaching out to them and and like trying to have some kind of substantive discussion just to see like how they got to the place they're at with this stuff because it just seems so it seems like literally the perfect embodiment of falsehood to me some of the stuff they're spewing out. Like there was this, like a bunch of them have been posting about don't vote for Kanye because we need all the votes for Biden, right? We need every, every single person needs to vote for Biden so that Trump if doesn't get reelected. Yeah. It's like, if, if, yeah. if, if you, if, if you are thinking of voting for Kanye and then it's like, here, go to this original post. And it's like, it's like, dude, why are you just telling people what to do? I, the second people try to tell other people how to think and what to do, it's it's not like. Listen, Joel, you're wrong, and this is how you need to think. I agree with you, but this is how you need to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tolstoy Tolstoy has a has a good quote, and it says, "It's something like, uh, truth, like gold, uh, can only be obtained not by growing truth, not by creating truth." but by washing away all from it, which is not gold, 
right? And so you think of uh, people in the Wild West, how they would obtain gold. They would siphon out everything that wasn't gold. And uh, that's, that's similar how truth is. And so the idea that we can – truth is something gained by adding more and more and more perspectives is silly. It's actually the opposite. Um, it's, it is gaining perspectives, but then those perspectives. Not refining your own because our, our own perspectives are created off of other perspectives. You can't have – like you can't learn language. Right. You can't even learn how to communicate right. without first referencing somebody else communicating. We can't just each human doesn't just know how to speak language. Right. So our minds, at least our the the external portion of our our being is first refined and created through other people. And then you begin to refine it and go deeper and deeper within yourself using those other perspectives, as many as you can obtain and refining it by washing away everything that's not true. Right. And and I feel like the modern movement, whichever name it goes under, Black Lives Matter, trans, whatever name. I mean, it, even Republican and Christianity all bear this the same problem because it's a problem of the human spirit, not necessarily a problem of ideology. But that somehow we can create truth by by adding more facts, adding more perspectives without first cleansing those perspectives and washing everything away that does not stick across all humans, across all periods of time, right? Which is Young, going back to Young's original quote about the spirit of the depths and the spirit of our time. Most people exist under the influence of the spirit of our time. And that, and he even goes on to say that it's not necessarily wrong. Like, um, here, I'll pull up a quote. It's really interesting. Uh, but he goes on to say about how uh, the soul... Um, he goes, my soul, where are you? Do you hear me? I speak. I call you. Are you there? I have returned. I am here again. I have shaken the dust of all the lands off from my feet, and I have come to you. I am with you. After long years of long wandering, I have come to you again. Should I tell you everything I have seen, experienced, and drunk in? Or do you not want to hear about the, all the noise of life in the world? But one thing you must know, and he's telling his soul this, the one thing I have learned is that one must live this life. And he's referring to the life uh, of the spirit of our time, right? And the soul, which uh, he, he talks about, um, he talks about how the, the soul is, um, the soul is not, you, you do not house your soul, your soul houses you. And Alan Watts also has, has quotes similar to that, where people have this idea that our body is a container for the soul. Right. And it's actually the exact opposite. Right. Our soul is a container for our body, right? And and that that broadens the soul because most people see the soul as a little white flame inside of their hearts of heart. You know what I mean? Most people think of their soul and they think of it as a little br bright ball. You know, when you try to imagine what the soul is, that's my image, you know, at least classically. Um, right. That you have this little little spirit inside of you, tiny, way, 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 way down. And you are, you are the vessel of a soul, but it's, the soul is much bigger than that, right? The, the, the soul is a field of energy that permeates around you and connects you to everything else, trees and grass and bugs, right? It, it's, not, it's not this tiny little flame that can just get snuffed out if you ate that bar of chocolate last night and you really weren't supposed to, you know, which a lot of people, is, that's the way they, oh, it's just so tiny, it can be corrupted so easily. Like, no, absolutely not. This thing is... 
as a force field that connects all us to the cosmos, you, you know, like there's no, there's no limit to the size of a human soul because it's, it's beyond measure. Right. And you are just right. housed in this thing, which is, it's, it's kind of you know, almost hard to even comprehend. I read that last night and I thought about it for like 30 minutes and I was like, what, what I've never even considered that, you know, just because the imagery we're usually force fed with uh, close that door and, on your way in. Uh, the the imagery you're usually force fed, like in cartoons and shit. When somebody dies, they have a little ghost that like flies up, you know, like flutters mm-hmm. up all week, and they're like, "Oh, that's the soul. It's going to heaven." It's like absolutely not. That's you know. Uh, he goes. Uh, he said, "You can, you a man can find his soul in desire itself." but not in the objects of desire, which is an interesting statement too, because he, he goes on to talk about finding your soul and solitude was one. Um, he goes, hence I should, hence I had to speak to my soul as if something far off and unknown, which did not exist through me, but through whom I existed. He who turns his desire away from outer things reaches the place of the soul. If he does not find the soul, the horror of emptiness will overcome him and the fear will drive him with a whip lashing time and again in a desperate endeavor and blind desire for hollow things. He becomes a fool through his endless desire and forgets the way of his soul, never to find her again. He will run after all things and they will seize hold of them, but he will not find his soul since he would only find her in himself. It's just profound, bro. Like, I don't know. I've mm. this the red book. You need to read. I know you don't like, like reading my Kindle, even though I have about a thousand <laughs> books on it that I'm okay, literally relax. giving don't you for free. Right now. Relax, uh, relax buddy. You're a dumbass, and you're honestly the, probably the stupidest human I know. I'm just kidding. Um, Ouch, man. But you should you should read the Kindle. There's a. I will. I started uh, on the Audible. I started that uh that neuroscience book and then i also started um i started the great divorce which i like the way that's narrated by the way dude the great divorce you need to really listen to it because i would love to talk to you about that next week i want yeah i kind of want to get a paper copy just because like it's on i have it on my kindle i have it on my kindle okay okay all right okay have it on my Kindle. No, but seriously, whether you listen to it or you read it, there's as long as you're paying attention, because I know with Audible, the problem I have with Audible, and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I've listened, I've I mean, that was primarily how I did it two or three years ago. When I was living in my van, I hardly ever read, but I listened to probably like over a hundred books in audible form. Right. Which is good. It's fine. You know, information's information. But I always found myself having to pull myself back into the book, right? Because you get distracted when you're not reading. And, and there's something about your eyes focusing on something that makes your mind lock in, right? And, oh, and so yeah. when you're, you're listening, you can listen. And if you're a critical thinker, which I think you are, you probably have a better mind for audiobooks because you're capable of doing things and also multitasking by listening to complex subjects. Most people I don't think can do that. But um, there is something very useful about using your eyes as a metaphor 
for I'm going to focus on this this subject and especially things like Carl uh, Jung and um, you know things like that really complex you have yeah. to read a sentence three four times and that's hard to do on audible you can't click to the 30 second rewind but um, but the great divorce is just a story right and that C.S. Lewis is so freaking brilliant man it's just I just wish I could write <laughs> like him you know I'm so freaking jealous he he can write. We like, need to change the letters. name of our podcast to "Sucking the Tit of C.S. Lewis." I I would be okay with that. <laughs> Suckling the teat, Suckling Luke. C.S. Lewis's teats. Yeah, dude. I mean, but seriously, the way he writes, like the screw oh, no, tape I letters. I totally agree. Yeah. How? Who would have thought to put like when if somebody wants to write about morality, they always write about morality from the perspective of something higher than them because that's the that's easiest good. way to do it. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to? Talk about morality in a positive sense from the perspective that's disagreeing with it and from then also an make it sound perspective. Yeah, yeah. But also make it sound like an antagonist is saying it, right? That takes such literary genius uh, beyond what our schools even – even if somebody like that existed, our schools don't allow for it because right. the way they teach us. You know, I, was, I, I just got done with English 98, by the way. Um, and the one of you know it was funny because a lot of our grades was like which sentence is correct right that was like a big one they kept making us review grammar and punctuation and i was just i kept thinking because there would be three or four of them right that, that you had to choose from multiple choice right and two or two of them would be would be you could debate which one was correct right but they have such a strict um what is it called like uh criteria for what makes a correct sentence that we get trained to think that even if two sentences make sense, it's not correct. Right. right. So they teach you that writing is not about ideas and, and, and tra- like communicating and transporting ideas from one person to the other. It's about correctly writing sentence structure. And, Oh, even if this idea makes sense, it's not correct. And it's like, yeah. oh, it's fuck, fuck you. Both. Of, why, why are you, how about which sentence makes the most sense? Why not? Yeah, there's also, questions? there's also, there's a, let me let me look at it really quick. Keep going. Let me find this. I don't know. It just bothered me because it just limits people's ability uh, who, to have critical ideas and, and have critical analysis and then communicate those because the school obviously wants to keep that down. People They don't want people questioning our ideas, our beliefs. But what happens is, is that when they do that for too long, like they do, then we get fucking people like the Black Lives Matter movement and, and the SJWs who who have no understanding of anything. And it's just it, generally, generally, I have to say that because uh, some people will be like, no, but my mom is is smart and uh, she's an SJW. She's a feminist and she's not dumb. It's like, OK, yes, there's outliers. Fine. Uh, but generally speaking, <laughs> we have to we have to. And that's yeah, the other no, thing I, I was going to what I was going to say is um, Greg Hurwitz, who's uh, have you listened to Greg Hurwitz at all? He's he's not like I mean he's pretty interesting. He uh <clears throat> he's an author and he's a he's Horowitz? a really yeah, Hurwitz. He's a he's a really good author. Um uh H U R W I T Z. But he's a really good author and uh him and Jordan Peterson, he also he studied as a uh undergrad and then also in graduate school under Jordan Peterson and um he 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 him and Jordan Pearson were talking about how you really refine your writing capabilities and they were saying yeah, yeah. that like 
the universities and the education, like the, the education system isn't really, isn't really reflecting that very well. It's like, you need to read, you need to understand the type of writing that hits you at your core and makes you, makes you breathe truth. You know what I mean? You, you need to like, you need to like be really attentive to detail when you're reading that kind of writing. Can you and explain to me how somebody breathes truth? You just breathe. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was confused. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I want to breathe truth. Yeah, man. Just breathe. Um, Anyways, continue. But refining. Yeah. No, he was, they were just explaining that basically how you become a really good author is you read people, you read as much as you can, and then you, you pay attention to yourself and your feelings while you're reading and you understand when an author really captivates you. And then you try to, uh, not replicate that exactly, but you take the different authors that you've read that have made you feel that feeling of like breathing truth, quote unquote, like I said. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you, you then go and mimic catalyze it. that out and you mimic yeah. it. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. Rather than just, rather than just like sentence structure and all that, even though, I mean, it sucks, no, but be- I mean, our society is, is literally constructed upon what is important so that you can, you can go and, have a corporate job and make a lot of money is, is that you can be eloquent and you can write in the right style. And you know, what's funny is these postmodern people in the universities, half of these papers that are coming out are like not even reviewed. They're not like peer reviewed and they're not, they're, they're not even reviewed. They're not edited. They're trash grammar. Like I I was reading one and, and the grammar was just God awful. It was like, it was like, starting the sentence in the plural form and then switching to the singular at the end of the sentence. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, even either, I don't know. It's just confusing, man. They establish all these rules and then they say they, they don't even need to follow them. Like they don't even try to follow them themselves. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Well, if you read, if you read CS Lewis or you read J.R. Tolkien or really anybody who is considered a literary genius, they don't, follow any grammar rule they follow good grammar right they have but it's not necessarily that they're following rules taught to them by teachers they're just good at words right and so they're they're right. capable of explaining ideas well and they don't need they use punctuation as a tool but they don't they don't write ba- they don't write in the boundaries of punctuation right. we're taught to write within the boundaries of punctuation and grammar they write within the realm of ideas and then use punctuation and grammar as a means to refine those ideas. And it's, right. that is, it's opposite. So when you write within the boundaries of grammar and uh, punctuation, you're limited to what you can say because there's always a blockade. If you're not smart enough, if you're not good with ideas, then you're, you're blocked because you're like, oh, I don't know how to necessarily word this correctly with the right grammar or the right punctuation. So you just stop writing. But if you write within the realm of ideas, you just write. Right. Even if it doesn't make sense to other people, it makes sense to you first. And then you go back and then you review it and re- you refine it. Five right. Right. Times, you know, and so then right. but we, we taught to do the opposite. Like, oh, if you can't do it first. Right. Especially like grammar Nazis. Right. Those are a thing. People will call you out so quickly on grammar, especially if you're arguing th- with them. If you make a point that somebody can't argue with, the first thing they're looking for is you messing up uh, correct writing. Right. Because. That's the only argument they have. They don't have any ideas, but they're like, oh, well, I was at least taught that if you don't write correctly, you're dumb. Or if you don't yeah. write with the modern idea of what right, correct writing is, you're, you're dumb and your point's invalid anyways. And it's like, 
the fact that we have that model, honestly, it could be a conspiracy that that's why we have it. So even people who necessarily aren't the most um, academically educated on correct writing styles, even if they're intelligent, they can be put down by people uh, with less intelligence, but have a better capability to memorize what good writing is. And so they can just rebuttal by, oh, you're just dumb. Why would I believe you if you're dumb, if you can't even know punctuation? It's like, but what about my idea? What do you have to say about my idea? Do you, does it not make sense? Like when we talk, do you think we talk with punctuation, how we write? It's so stupid, right? We, we, like you can, writing is just, it's just refined a- talking. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. it shouldn't need to be refined. It should literally be talking, right? It, well, it, I mean, I think, I think that's why it's meaningful is because it's refined. It's like, it's like somebody, somebody going through and editing and getting it down to the most clarity of mind that they can possibly have, right? But it's not, it's not in the sense that clarity of mind means fitting that structure. It's just like, it's just putting more time into your thoughts, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. But yeah, and if you, look at, if you look at almost any, like uh, in my AP Euro class, which was actually really cool, because my teacher was kind of like, he wasn't really, he didn't really fit the box of like your normal education teacher. Um, oh, yeah, dude, cool. He was, he was all out there, dude, but... Like, uh, like a lot of the poets and the authors we talked about from from, you know, throughout history, pretty much always extrapolated outside of that box. Yes. They were pretty much yeah. always flying, you know, 90 miles an hour away from the box. That Those are the people that go down in the history books, like James Joyce, like the Irish novelist who who just talked like stream of conscious subconscious. Like he wrote a book. It's like a it's like a. I can't remember. It's like a 300 page book on a single day of a child's life living on a farm and like everything that, that it's yeah, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's just like, those are the people that go down in history are the people who are thinking outside of the box. They're not the people who fit the structure. Well, and this is, this is an interesting conversation actually. So the premise is not, not everybody can be a revolutionary. Right. Not everybody can be um, a legend in some sense. Right. And so the idea and I don't think it's a wrong idea is that we need the masses, the general population to be dumb because no matter what, they're going to be dumb. We it's just that's just the reality. We can educate them all day. Uh, And they're they're, (laughs) it, it, it sounds bad. Right. And I'm not saying I'm I'm part of the revolutionary group but not everybody can be people who change history because the people who change history are usually so beyond what most people are that if we try to make everybody that it would fail horribly right so so there well i mean that's yeah yeah some people need to be individuals right well everybody's an individual and jordan peterson actually i was listening to one of his lectures and he was talking about how the problem with um the oppress the oppressed group, right? Is that society, especially what we have seen, and this is an interesting argument. What we have seen is that people have chosen about four criteria in which they're oppressed and, and society needs to restructure, right? It's race, gender, class, and uh, one it was one other, right? And he says, but there's there's a million criteria in which you can classify an individual: athleticism, attractiveness, height, weight. Uh, you know, there's there's a million different factors in which a human can be can be categorized. So 
And it's and his his point was that it's not self evident that the four that we somehow have decided to focus on, which is gender, class, and race, are any more important than the other ones. Right. And so he's saying he he was saying is that what that uh you know you start trying to fix you start trying to fix or classify society or or structure society around a certain uh, certain group a particular group of humans you end up you end up creating like communists or some something like that communism or you know socialism but he says that the, the real uh, the only conclusion to their I- ideology and they'll figure it out once millions of people have died was really what he says is that the real truth is the individual is that once you realize that every individual is an infinite amount of like it, there's an infinite amount of ways one person can exist. Somebody might be a black female, transgender, fat, uh, you know, lesbian or something like that. Right. And so those are five criteria that society would look at you. Wow. They're really oppressed. They need to go high up on the hierarchy. Right. But in reality, that's just one manifestation of an infinite equation. Number of variables. Yeah. Yeah. So that go into defining the individual. Yeah. So what the real answer is, is that each individual is unique and that there's no way we can just start classifying people and what, what they deserved based off of gender or based off of race. Because even if you want to say, oh, she's a female, like there's an infinite number of ways that females can be classified, even within the, the, the original classification being female. So you can't just say, oh, all females deserve this or all black people deserve this or all white people deserve this. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't go anywhere. And the only thing it's going to conclude is that once, let's say, let's take the extreme version where the Black Lives Matter movement extends and they they start killing white people or they they turn white people into slaves. I don't know exactly what they're after. They want equality, but the, the country is about as equal as it can get. What needs to change is the black people within the culture need to say, hey, we're done. We're done following the narrative in which we have given ourselves, right? And it started as white people. Sure, white people gave it to them. But honestly, the African warlords were over there fucking raping and, and enslaving them first. And then they were like, yeah, we'll sell them to you. So it's not, it's not necessarily uh, white people did this because slaves have also been a part of human nature for a long time. Uh, but it's the fact that we have a narrative that we've been told and we're not strong enough as individuals to lift ourselves out of this narrative. And so we're going to yell and we're pretty much going to say, you have to lift us out of this. And it's like, you know, this is funny and Jordan's going to be upset that I talk, I'm talking about this, right? So we were going to go, <laughs> we were going to go backpacking yesterday to, to warm up for our, our hike. And what happened? Over. And what happened? Did you go beep boop bop bop on your controller all day? Is that what happened? No, no. So I packed up the bags. <laughs> And I put them in the little middle of the living room. I, I probably had around 50, 40, 50 pounds. I think 40 and Jordan's 50 in mine, right? And we were driving separately because she was going to her parents' house after the hike. And I was going to come back home to go beep, boop, bop, bop on my controller. And, uh, and, and so I took my backpack. You know, she like hugs and kisses me goodbye. I'm like, okay, I'll meet you at the park. I'll meet you at the trail. I grab my backpack. I'm walking out. She walks me out the door. She's watching me the whole time, right? Her backpack sitting in the middle of the living room. And so I put my backpack and I drive down there, right? And so we are meeting up because it costs some money to get into the park. So we are going to meet up and then get in one car and drive over. And so I get my backpack out of my car. She pulls up and I get it. And I'm like looking for a backpack. I'm like, Jordan, where's your backpack? And she goes, oh, 
I thought you were going to carry it for me. And I go, Jordan, why the fuck would I carry your backpack? And it just is not necessarily, I think it was, <laughs> she was just a little, she just was focused on something else, right? She was just, pre- her mind was preoccupied on who knows what. Um, the backpack was sitting in the middle of the room and she left. Like, it's a big ass backpack. Uh, and she's like, oh, I thought you were going to carry it for me. And I'm like, I'm like, what, in what world do I carry your weight? And not only, not only that, like, it's one thing if I offer to carry your weight, but you assume that it's my responsibility to carry your weight. Like she, her assumption was that I was going to take her backpack for her. Right. And it's just, and it's not necessarily that I don't, I'm not saying Jordan's this ideology, but it's similar in the fact that there's people in culture who have the assumption that it's other people's responsibility to carry their weight, to bear their load, to bear their load. Bear the and, load. And, yeah. But that's the thing is that, and that's a big message of Jordan Peterson is that n- nobody owes you shit. Because right now you live in a the 1% of the 1% of human existence. You are a lucky individual. I don't care if you're cracked out, poor under a bridge, and all your family have died. You're, you're fortunate, which is a weird thing to even consider, right? Yeah. Because it goes, it goes so outside of the realm of what we would think. Well, suffering is suffering. Sure, suffering is suffering. But you can go into a Starbucks, get free water and shit on a toilet. So calm down with that fucking uh, shit oppression on? shit. Yeah. Definitely. You can shit on a toilet if you want. Uh, mm-hmm. The employees might not be too happy about it. But seriously, think about it. You can literally walk into a store, even if you're homeless, and people might look at you funny. Sure, they should. You're cracked out, homeless person under a bridge, and you probably smell bad. But you know, most people won't say anything. And as long as you just sit on a bench to, to enjoy the AC, people will probably leave you alone. Right. That's crazy to think about. So – so knock it off with the oppression. And sure, I'm a tall, really good-looking white male. But <laughs> I think I can understand. Uh, I don't think it's hard to understand the perspectives if you're willing to let yourself live in that mental state for just one second, right? Like, what would it be like to be black? And black people can do this with white people. Like, what would it be like to be white? And if they really thought about it, I think they would realize, oh, it's probably not that much different. And I mean, it comes down to paying attention to other people too. Yes. Like it, it's, it's really all about just how much attention to detail you pay in your life. So I have two friends, right? And this is a story. Yeah, that's school, it. That's all. In high school, in high school, <laughs> I, I didn't really like white people in my school. We lived in a place, a Lakewood, right? And it was a really wealthy area. But then right outside of Lakewood was a place called Bradenton, which – was a really bad place. I mean, like gunshots. That's the way it it goes, yeah. Um, And it was pretty much by the the railroad tracks, right? So you'd say by the tracks. And that was a bad place. And when I played football originally before high school, I played in the police athletic league, which was over in Bradenton because my parents couldn't afford Pop Warner, which was where all the white kids played. And so I played in a division and a group where instead of going to jail – Kids, kids, instead of going to jail for various crimes, the police would give them a chance, take them in, and they would put them in a football training program, right? Oh, God. Yeah, so I, that's, so I learned to play football with, <laughs> with, a, bunch of, with a bunch of ghetto con, conflicts. Yeah. Literally, literally. Like, and they were, they were freakishly athletic, right? Oh, sure. Uh, so 
and uh, so I kind of got that understanding of life early on. And I'm not saying I, I was them. I'm not saying I was black. I never was. I was raised Christian, but, um, but I grew up. Wait, I, wait, how does that mean? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh. Slow, slow down. No, no. But so uh, when I got to high school, I had kind of gotten used to hanging around black people and whatever, whatever you want to say, they have a different culture. And I actually enjoy it because you know what? One thing you can say about black people is that they don't talk behind each other's backs. They like when you're at high school, if they have a problem, they say it. If they make a joke, they laugh. There's not all, there's not this secret offense. There's not this gossip culture. There's not this backstabbing friend. They're real. Right. And, and I was drawn to that because I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed hanging out with them because they weren't fucking superficial. They were who they were. And I can respect right. that, right? right? White people white people are fucking it's the a more, worst in high school. They're yeah. the worst because they have this idea that they're they're going after the worst are the pretty white girls. Nah, they're yeah, so yeah, annoying. White girls. Uh, they're the worst. Not all pretty white girls, but all but of them, every single the one. ones who associate their identity with being pretty are the worst. Um, right. so so in high school, I got I became good friends with a lot of black people, not only black people, and I wasn't wearing my shorts down low. I was like I am now, right? And I would talk to them about God, religion, spirituality, philosophy, and they would look at me like I was batshit crazy, but they enjoyed it seemed like they enjoyed hearing about it. And so I was who I am, <laughs> and they were who they were. But right. I, I was able to talk to them because they I knew that if they had something to say with me or if they had a problem with me. Okay, this is say, just you drawing out for fucking 10 minutes that you have black friends, Andrew. You're just a no, virtue no, signaling on. SJW not, not, piece of shit at that's the end not of the day. That's not what it is. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll skip ahead. So I have two friends, Craig and TJ, right? Both from the same neighborhood. Wait, Craig's, Craig's black? Craig and TJ are both black. Therese Jonquel Davis, TJ. And then uh, Craig Bain. And Craig and TJ grew up in the same area, right? And TJ, his mom, for whatever reason... He had a fan, like his, he didn't have a dad or he didn't see his dad a lot. Same with Craig, I believe. Um, Though I saw his dad at one point, but they weren't very fluent in their life. They weren't very present in their lives. Right. And so it was just their parents and both of their moms weren't necessarily the most supportive or provisional parents. And TJ ended up having to pay for all of the expenses for his family. Right. That's how it, that's at least from what I understand. And Craig became the man of the house. The same scenario. However, as they grew up, TJ had a scholarship for football, and he had to turn it down because if he left, his mom would have his family would have no way. His little brother and his mom would have no way of making money, right? So I would wake up every morning, and me and TJ would go wake out, and then because he didn't have a car, uh, work go wake out. Oh, work out. Yeah. We, right. When we woke up, we would go work out at like four in the morning because he had to be at a job at like five thirty, and so I would drive him and drop him off That's to awesome. his job. And but Craig, me and Craig were really good friends. But Craig only smoked weed. His house was always dirty. His mom, like he he embraced that lifestyle of being a gang. He would rob houses with his friends, um, shit like that. You know what I mean? And so right. he grew up. TJ grew up and said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm going to bear the load with, for a lack of a better term. And he started working. He didn't smoke. He stopped smoking weed in high school. Um, he stopped. He, he would go, go out and party every now and then, but it wasn't a lot. Craig, on the other hand, all they would do is smoke weed. All they would right. do, his mom, his parents, their house was always filthy. Um, and he had a sister and like a little brother 
And as they grew up, you could see how TJ, who decided, you know what, fuck this shit, I'm going to be better, right? He, he didn't have a car. Craig's fa- family didn't have a car. They didn't have a car at all. Like Craig's mom didn't have a car. Uh, so TJ didn't have a car either, but he found a way. He, you know, and, and I helped him get to his job. And then he saved up and we would go work out. And after, after working out, I would go get a smoothie, right? And TJ would never spend money on anything, on anything, ever. Yeah, yeah. Just you just wouldn't do it. And Craig, on the other hand, every single day, all he was looking for was uh, those, getting those weed, weed dealers, yeah. and, and then pawn it off, you know? Right. And now TJ has his own apartment, has a dog, has a nice ass living room, right? A TV, an Xbox. He has a super nice car. He has a well-paying job. He's in the Marines now. Uh, Damn. And Craig went up to Tallahassee, got a girl pregnant, went to jail for selling dope, right? They both started at the same place, right? Right. TJ is in an infinitely better place because, and what, are you saying our society is racist? Because I just, I saw saw it happen. I know both of these people. I had known them since I I was in, uh, you know, sixth grade. I saw these people grow up. I knew their lifestyle. They were very good friends. I was very good friends with them. But TJ decided... I'm going to get this shit done. And he worked his ass off. He woke up. He went 530 in the morning. He worked for a guy who pressure washed. And he, he pretty much was just his you know partner, his sidekick. And right. he saved up all his money. Craig, on the other hand, didn't. Are you going to tell right. me that? Oh, if you're black, you just can't do it? Are you going to tell me? Yeah, it sucks. Your culture sucks. It, it, sorry. You know? But at the same time, it's not impossible. But at the same time, there's people who are prophetic in their action, like TJ. Yeah. And they, TJ, they live TJ like that. I understand that. I think I think the real cry and, and the real pain comes from, and not that there is isn't loads and loads of white people who come from the same place. I mean, there's trailer parks all over where the area that I live. Colorado is a very white state, and there's trailer parks everywhere full of you know white people who are living yeah, in these conditions where they're slow down. Uh, dad's a physicist. Dad's a physicist. Um, dad's a people for making meth. <sighs> physicist making that i think that's a chemist my friend but um like there's there's people who are white who are the same way but it's like it's kind of a defining problem in that community so like for instance i feel like in my life so far my actions have been much more akin to akin to like the craig the craig person right so I spend my money when I get it. I, I spend my money. I buy weed. I buy the acid. I buy shrooms. I buy whatever the fuck. I and buy nicotine. I, so throw it, I throw it around. And I pr- I'm privileged so I can still go home and I can have a meal with my parents that my mom cooks. And I can go to bed and I can sleep happily and I can have a girlfriend and I can like still live. have that privilege. Right? And it's comfortable. Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. But I think, yeah. I think it's just fewer. Sure, because and, and Jordan Peterson also made a. I know we're talking about. I listen to him a lot lately. Um, but yeah. he made an interesting thing that how culture was established. So our culture was established by white people, right? And so they built the culture around benefiting white people. That was the right. initial statement. But they're kind, at least. They didn't start. America wasn't. We're going to let anybody in and make everybody awesome, right? We're going to make everybody happy. That's not how America started. America started that we were being oppressed religiously. So we left the place that was oppressing us 
and we started a new place that was going to benefit us, right? And right. One, of the, one of the things that was going on in history at that point was slavery all around the world in all cultures. It was, it was just happening. You can cry about it. It was just happening. So America wasn't, wasn't really trying to get rid of the problem of slavery at that time. They were just looking for religious freedom. And technically, owning a slave isn't really anti-religious, in a way. And I don't really think it's necessarily a bad thing. As long as the trades are, slaves are being treated good and nowhere, I'm not saying abuse the slaves. I'm not saying whip them, but slaves are pretty much, uh, ultra poor people, right. That you take in to work for you and in exchange for working for you, you house them. They're, they're, they're humans. I know that that's not necessarily the thing. They're just so poor because back then poverty then and poverty now are substantially different. Back then, they were so poor that they literally had nothing. So they literally had nothing. They didn't have clothes. They, they didn't have anything. The only option was to go back to Africa and do nothing, right? So they said, okay, we'll take you in. You work for us, even if it's against your will. Though it wasn't against their will, the African warlords already had captured them. They were already slaves, right? We didn't. People have this idea that we just went there and ran up and started tying them down and like taking them. And that's not what happened. They they were already slaves. We just yeah, but I mean, colonization happened prior to slavery, though. That's kind of what do you mean? A little bit of a uh, missing detail there. No, no, no. We we all. I mean, Europe colonized pretty much the entirety of Africa, with the um, exception of like I think it's Zimbabwe. So I mean, the entirety of Africa was colonized prior to slavery. By white people. So white people owned that land at that point. There's no way the entirety of Africa. Except for Zimbabwe, yeah. Or is it Zimbabwe? It's, it's there's one no of way. there's a country. I'm trying to remember. I think have you Zimbabwe. seen have you seen the picture of the world to scale? Right? So the world map that we see in school is actually extremely warped. It's not even close to the what the actual scope of the continents are, right? Um, okay. Sure. You should look it up. Actual map to scale. I'm gonna look it up too, and you can see how the uh, the differences in size compared to um, what is what we are shown to uh, what we are shown in school. Let me see actual map to scale, true size. Okay, so here's a here's a good type in. I got Mercer it. I'm misconceptions. Mercator, let, let me look that up. M e r c a t o r, misconceptions, and it tells it shows you the true skies. America is a fraction of Africa, the size of America. You know Russia, how Russia seems gigantic on the map. Again, half of Africa. No, not on the map yes. I'm looking at. Not on the Mercator it's, so map. It's like, it's like a blue map. It's like a blue map, and then it has darker blue inside of it. Right. Okay. That's the one I'm looking at. So the darker blue is what they actually are. The lighter blue is what it's shown on the map that you see. Right. Here right. I'm. Okay. I see what you're so, saying. So you see how Russia is, you see how small Russia is compared to what it looks like on the map, but look at Africa. Africa is actually, that's and this is in miles, right? So how big the, the, the place actually is. Because the map for there's there's so a whole why bunch do we of, fuck our maps up so bad then what the fuck um there, there's why like is a Greenland so so much bigger on the map than it is in because because it's there's a reason for it. I don't know the exact reason but it's political right Look at it, Greenland it, bro I see why it giving it's Greenland crazy. so much credit oh my god but but what I'm saying is that there's no way 
because Africa is big as fuck, bro. It's big as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, You're totally misconstruing this, though. It's not just a simple matter of geography. They I mean, did. They the did. Industrial Revolution spawned weapons that uh, guns that the allowed the Europeans to what? colonize so quickly. Yeah. You don't think Africa I mean, was colonized before the Industrial Revolution? You don't think there was other territories around there that? I mean, yeah, but I, I'm saying the reason that Europe was stronger and was able to colonize Africa was some because of some of Africa, dude, the Africa entire thing, Africa. man, except for Zimbabwe. Uh, Dude, this is you're, like you're, historical I, fact. I taught you that. My AP Euro class. I read it, a fucking like 500 page textbook on all of this stuff. That's historical fact, bro. That happened. I'm not saying that's wow. like that. I'm just saying it's not it's not a simple matter of there was all these African warlords. Africa was a huh. country In that was pure black. Only 10% of Africa was under formal European control. By 1914, this had uh, increased to almost 90%. So about ninety percent of Africa, which yeah. is a lot, is a lot. Not all of Africa. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying so that. within, that's why I said within, all uh, except for Zimbabwe. That's about ninety percent. Oh, dude. Uh, so I'm not gonna. There's no argument here because I just don't know enough, uh, and I also don't think that. I mean, ninety. Yeah, I get it. But that's that in 1914. That's way after. That's way after slavery, dude. What does that have to do with anything? In 1817, slavery had already been abolished in 1817. So why are we even talking about that? What does that have to do with slavery? I think I convoluted the timeline there. My bad. All right. Continue. Yeah. yeah. Point. <laughs> I was like, what does that have to do with the original point? Um, so anyways, er, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to keep talking about slaves because it's, it's such a shitty topic to even discuss. We, we, somehow – you and me, we don't really talk about race or like this this kind of thing often at all. But our podcast is like political. Well, it's keeps, because it's what I've been watching lately. Sure, I, what I've been thinking about. So it, a lot of my thoughts right now. Are I mean, on it's what going on. It's what's going on with the spirit yeah. of the world right now, too. So. I've never and I've never really been been into politics. Right, I've always stayed away from news, but something in me has been. It's just been getting me because I, I think something's brewing. I think something's happening, right? I feel I feel a shift. Libya. And I don't... Sorry, Libya. My bad. I think it's Libya. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Joel. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's just it's just my focus, and I just see I see things going very badly very quickly to the point where people like me and you will will either will need to make a choice. Either we're going to fight or we're going to lay down. Right. And and I'm not really prepared to lay down. So if this gets to happen, I need to know what I believe and why I believe it. And I need to see what where things have started. I need to know why they started. I need to know what is the extreme version and what is by yourself. My friend. A what? History textbook. Oh, I've never read history. Because if you don't get your context. Correct. I mean, same with me. About? Same with me. I was totally fucking yeah, off in the timeline, about? but I'm just saying, if you if you lose track of your context and you're talking to almost anybody, you're not going to convince them of shit. If you're, if you're uh, what, I never convoluted. said anything about convincing somebody. I said I need to know why I believe. I need to see where the flaws in other people's arguments are. I'm not trying to convince them. I'm saying if that if there is a, if there's something that breaks out where we need to start fighting for rights and and beliefs and ideas. I need to know what ideas I'm fighting for. I need to know why the other opposing side is wrong. 
I need to know context, right. obviously. Right. Uh, I don't. I, I know you have this weird idea, and I'm sure it's just a phase where history is somehow the prime uh, subject. And history is important. Don't get me wrong. No, I don't think it's the prime um, subject. But but there's there's greater history. Go only go so far, and I really have to pee into your. Th- All right, I'm back, and we're back. I totally forgot what we were talking about. No, it's funny because we we're gonna we said take five on the podcast, but I'm gonna cut that out. So it's gonna be like, all right, let's take five, and we're back. Mm-hmm. Or you could so, just cut out the take five as well. Well, I guess that wouldn't really make sense because then it, yeah, it gives a context. Because then we're and then we just sound like a bunch of morons who <laughs> forgot what we were talking about a second. We sound ago. like we both have uh, parallel <laughs> dementia, parallel dementia. Yeah forget what we're talking about at the same time but yeah i don't know i think i think the political landscape right now is rocky i think it's been rockier in history and we've come through so it's not like i think uh the annihilation of humanity is gonna happen but yeah but definitely the uh the foundation for what we hold as highest value or the highest principles in society are and uh i'm not sure i'm willing i'm willing to let those go without a fight, right? I don't want to really exist in a world where the principles that are running and governing are those of the extremist views right now. Uh, yeah. That sounds like a worse world to live in and one that's already pretty hard to live in. And that's coming from a very privileged 21st century. And I'm not privileged as in race or gender, privileged as in the period of time I lived in. Uh, and that's coming from a privileged human. If life is not worth if life is not worth living now, which I mean obviously it probably is, and I'm being a little dramatic, but um, you know I think I think at one point you have to keep the sword sword sheathed, right? You can't walk around without a sword. But the reason you have the sword at the end of the day is, is to use it. You don't just walk around with a gun to look cool. You know, you you walk around with a gun to use it if you need to. And, and like Christ said, the meek shall inherit the earth. And it implies those who can use a sword, but it also, or keeps it, keeps it. She is not, doesn't use the sword, but they, they know how to use the sword and, but they keep it sheathed. But at the same time, it also implies that they use it when they need to. Right. right? And, right. and that's the big, the big thing is that you have to be able to discern when the right time is. you keep it sheathed as long as you possibly can. Right. You know, you do everything in your power not to use it because that's what makes you that's what makes you powerful is that that's a last resort. But at the end of the day, there are some things that going to need you're going to need to pull it out for. That's why you have it in the first place. It's not there for show. Uh, It's it's there to to use. And I'm just wondering if, if it's the time is coming when, you know, the meek, the meek need to inherit the earth, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the real thing that scares me is just that I feel like the fundamental. I mean, obviously, there's there's a a nearly infinite number of flaws in the system and the society that we we have generated so far. But well, it's human based, so yeah, of course, and so there's flaws everywhere. But I get concerned when a a society whose whose mechanism for growth and mechanism for has its it. establishment 
in the first place is being something as beautiful as like the the value of the individual and um, the value of freedom of speech gets abolished. I get really concerned with whatever is going to whatever is going to replicate itself outside of that. It's like this is something I wanted to come back to. By the way, I've been thinking about this, but same thing. This guy, uh, James Lindsay, he's talking about how the way the university structure works and I'm going to do my best to explain this, but it's going to be piss poor at the end of the day. Um, But the way the university structure is like, is set up is that there's, there's these degrees that are really, really difficult to get. And the degrees that are really difficult to get the, the degrees that are actually really substantive at the end of the day are all about, creation they're all about they're, they're not about criticism they're not about um destruction they're not about like okay here's these flaws because flaws are really easy to point out but it's much harder to generate something right so it's like the the top degrees like mathematics physics biochem uh, exercise physiology that kind of stuff those those degrees are all about genesis they're not about criticism and retort um rhetoric they're not about those things but that all of these people have kind of like fallen by the wayside but the people who have ended up in these like women's studies and critical theory and all these different bullshit degrees that are coming out nowadays um they're all about criticism of the system they're all about they're all about antagonism which is so much easier to comprehend and so much easier to um, apply oneself to than Genesis. And I just, I feel like it's the same thing with like all these people who want something new, their entire focuses have been on criticizing, criticizing the society that's at, that that's present right now. They, none of their focus is going towards the, the, the Genesis of a new society. That's why, um, Chaz, uh, just fucking failed miserably. That's what, that's why it failed. It's because all of those people, they've been taught how to criticize. They have been taught how, you know, this is, this is the, the, they had been taught Marxism. They had been taught these things that at the end of the day are all antagonistic and not Genesis. They're not like that. Um, yeah, really poor, poorly form, formulated, but I think you get where I'm no, going. No, from. no, I, I, yeah, it made a lot of sense. I think, I think that's a good point. Um, and also the the truth is is that the West or what we know as as the West, right, was founded on the highest principle being the individual, right? That's what why the Constitution was formed. That's why America was created was because the founding fathers, though they they were human, so there's obviously mistakes and flaws, right? Uh, Slavery being one, but it wasn't shortly after America was formed that slavery was ended, right? In terms of human scale, uh, on the human timeline, it was it was almost a flash uh, right. in the pan how quickly within America, within the system that America had created, realizing oh, slavery is wrong, right? That yeah. it was it was damn near instantaneous. That's crazy. That and so we obviously have something. We obviously did something right. There's obviously some truth in the Constitution. Because at the end of the day, it's the first country that said humans are given rights not by society, not by race, but by God, right? 
Right. That's that is such a powerful right, idea that really had never existed before. That there's there's humans are given things, and then not only were they not only was that idea revolutionary, but the founding fathers were also geniuses in the rights that they de they decided to give humans. Not they decided, but the rights that they discerned that humans had. They didn't say humans deserve to be happy. They didn't say humans deserve to be wealthy. They didn't say God chooses every person to be wealthy and happy. God God gives you the right to not be uh, discriminated on. That that's obviously bullshit, right? They they didn't make those ideas like the, the modern movements are. Oh, you're a transgender. You deserve you deserve respect. No, you don't deserve respect. Nobody deserves respect. Respect is earned. Respect is built by by character. It's not it's not given to you because you feel you feel uncomfortable in your skin. It's not given to you because your culture has sucks because the people in your culture refuse to put their load on their back, right? That's right. not that's not God-given rights. God-given rights are you have the right to say whatever you want. If you want to say you deserve respect, you have a right to. Right. That's powerful. And people now it we us being so young and so so new to the world, we don't really have the capabilities to fully understand what it would be like to live without that. Right. Right. I, we, we can, we can create conjecture. We can put ourselves in the perspective through history books and through critical thinking, and we can get close, but me and you don't really know what it would be like to not be able to say what we feel. That's That's such a, a foreign idea. And so these people who are advocating for these ridiculous ideas don't realize that they're they're going against the very thing that even allowed them to do it in the first place. They they said, you know, every every human has the right to pursue happiness, the pursuit of happiness. They didn't say every human had the right to be happy. They said every every human has the right to pursue happiness. Right. Like that's that's beautiful to a sense because not every human can be happy. We didn't make the world. I didn't create nature. The government didn't create nature. Thomas Jefferson and George Washington didn't create the laws of nature, but they they discerned what what can we at least give every citizen who lives here? What is it something we can say every human deserves? Right? You deserve to defend yourself. You deserve the right to fair trial, to fair judgment. Obviously, there's corruption. Obviously, humans are bad. It, by nature and there will always be flaws there will always be a snake in the garden it, 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 these people are so dumb they don't think it just bothers me it's like it's so clear you know it's so obvious we've been talking about it for centuries man for thousands and thousands of years humans have been able to to they've been formulating ideas on these topics and we've finally gotten to a point in human history where something like america forms and it's actually good and, you know, you can say all you want about how capitalism is bad, but the rate of success and the rate of poverty, like we are the wealthiest nation that has ever existed any anywhere, ever. Even our poorest are rich. Right. Like about that. And every year the rich get richer, but the poor also get richer. The more like you like people have this idea that as the rich get richer, the poor get poor. Right. Right. But that's not how capitalism works. Even now, the poor people, the people in the ghetto who we would associate with the most uh, oppressed group, right? 
they all have smartphones. Right. Like ninety right. have something way more powerful than could have possibly existed even exactly. fifty years it's ago. Not, yeah. It's it so capitalism's actually it's not perfect. And I understand the flaws, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's let's like you said, let's 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 create on top of it. Let's figure out new ideas and how we can better create a system that has actually served humanity pretty well. Right. And maybe we can even get to the point, and this goes into more of the Antichrist and uh, like Armageddon and shit like that. But maybe we can get to a point where we can spread this to the rest of the world. When we do that, it's game over, 100%. Um, but I don't necessarily think that ending the game is a bad thing. Obviously, the game has to end at some point. But, right. Uh, or, and, it, and it, honestly, I think what we would refer as the end of humanity could either happen within the next 200 years or it could we could undo all the progress we made and it could go back to it's going to take another 2000 3000 years it just it depends on what we do um i think the game ends i think the whole antichrist thing for one i think anti the antichrist is is electronics it's an it's it's not a human right it's not a person it's a um it's a shifting consciousness it's i believe from my current understanding about things, I, I can see it being um, something akin to what like Elon Musk's neural link. Have you heard him talk about? Yeah. Neuralink? Yeah. It's where we upload consciousness. Right. And if you think about it, Christ, God. what makes us go to heaven, right. Is God, Christ is the path, right. The only way to the father is through me. And what is Christ always referred to as his most powerful assets that gets him to God? It's humanity, right? We need to be like Christ, and Christ was perfectly human. And the only way to get to God is through being like Christ, which is perfectly human. So the only way to God is through being perfectly human. Right. So the opposite of that would be taking away our humanity. Well, what's our humanity? Our humanity is the cycle of birth and death. It's sacrifice, right? What caused God or what caused Christ to resurrect and go to, to, go to God, sit on the throne? It was his crucifixion. He willfully accepted his death, and that allowed him to transcend and go to God. How do we? So, how the Antichrist is something that once done is not take. God can no longer save you once you do it, right? There's like certain criteria. It's a mark. Once you have the mark of the beast, God can no longer save you. Even even after the re- the rapture and the saints go to heaven, the the people left on the world can still go to heaven, right? That's not the end. What the end is is that once either the people who haven't taken the mark of the beast die or everybody has taken the mark of the beast. God can no longer save the world. And he brings in the new, he kills everybody else and then goes to the new Jerusalem. Right. And brings that to earth. So the idea is that the mark of the beast is something that's irreversible. It's something that removes our ability to reach God because God, I think will save anything that a lot wants it wants to be saved. Right. right. So it has to be so severe that God can't save us. Why couldn't God save us? Well, we know that the only way to get to heaven is through being perfectly human. So the implication is that in order for it to be a reversal, we have to take away our humanity. How do we take away our humanity? By taking away the possibility of dying, right? That's, right. That is what makes us human, is that we are born and we die. We gain and we lose. That is the cycle. You remove yourself from that cycle. It's not even a matter of God anymore. You're no longer human. How would we do that? We upload our consciousness. We are getting to the point in humanity where we understand the brain. And consciousness 
is one thing because our brain's a computer. It sends out electric signals. And Neuralink is establishing that we can restore eyesight. We can make people who are paralyzed walk again, right? Because, because at the end of the day, what causes these ailments are just misfires in our brain, our severed synapses or misfiring neurons that, that can't communicate correctly. I can't tell our arm to move because there's a broken neuron in our brain or the, or the, you know, the, um, the system, the, the signals, the, the nerves that go from our, our arm to our head are, are broken. But if we can go in there with machines and, and artificially create uh, electronic pulses, we can restore that. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not science fiction. That's what's going to happen. And then we're going to mm -hmm. get to a point once we've mapped out the brain that far, we're going to say, okay, well, we can now figure out how memories are created. We can figure out how consciousness is formed. And we can take that brain once you're dying, and it will start with the riches of the rich. And we could just upload it into an artificial body, and you'll never die. You'll never die. And this is totally possible. It's not even science fiction at this point. This is possible. And it, it's, you know, it's probably, if we keep accelerating, it's probably 50 years away, Joel. It's not far. It's right. far if we keep going at this point. It's, it's definitely like probably in our lifetime, pretty much. I hope I'm not. Certain. But um, it, it's going to start great. And this is the other thing is that it's funny because the Antichrist, when he first rises, everybody loves him. The world begs for him. And it's like, well, why, why would the world beg for somebody who's trying to destroy them? But it says everybody just flocks to him for some reason, right? And everybody thought it was a human and they thought it was going to be a political leader, right? But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I don't think there will ever be a political leader that doesn't have opposition. But that's not what the Antichrist is. The Antichrist, everybody wants it. Even the Christians. Everybody wants it. They beg for it because it, it, he, it's salvation, Right. They see the Antichrist. And this is why it's called the Antichrist is because within the Antichrist, it's a false form of salvation. They it's going to give us it's going to heal us. It's going to be the Antichrist. It's everything that Christ did, except in a, pure, a perverted way. It's going to heal us. It's going to save us. It's going to take a, keep us away from death. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's. It's That's an interesting obvious. way of looking at it. Yeah, it, it seems a little obvious. Because when I listened to that podcast about Neuralink that he did with uh, Rogan, yeah, I I was like very enthused by that. I was like, oh shit! Well, if I get, uh, you know, if I start to go deaf, I can literally like hear shit again. Yeah, you can you can and restore it. You can restore all that. But then he started talking about like the idea of like saving experiences. Yeah. And memories and being able to replay them at any point. And I was just like, oh, that's so creepy. It's like it when creepy. you watch Black Mirror and you just like, like, you just can't fall asleep after watching Black Mirror. Yeah. And yeah. That's kind of how it feels. It just feels like reality itself would be so convoluted that there wouldn't really be experiences in a way. It would just. Well, Young talked about this how um, the subconscious. Young. Young. Jung says that we're all living myths, right? And that myths are just subconscious dreams in humanity. And everybody has these dreams. And if we're not aware of these dreams, we end up becoming these myths, right? We're not, and we, and we call it fate. But something like Black Mirror, because it's trivialized by modern media to just be a TV show, it's actually a myth. There, it's, a, it's a story, right? And, right. It's, and it's a story written by somebody whose who's perspective and is seeing um, they're, they're experiencing a dream in humanity that if we're not, if we don't become aware of it, 
we'll all end up living it. So everybody's like, whoa, that's like Black Mirror. No, Black Mirror is the future if we're not aware enough. But they didn't, they're not creative individuals. They are, they were, they're being possessed. The writers of Black Mirror are possessed is what they are by the spirit of our time who's telling us the future. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, whoa, that's a TV show. Wow, that's so cool. Or Star Trek. People are like, wow, Star Trek got it right, dude. They knew about it before our time. Like I, that I did no, they, they, they were visionaries. They were prophets and you just fell into fate because you're too dumb to understand that's where we were going. They, they didn't, they didn't create the, Oh wow. They knew before we knew. No, they humans, a thousand, uh, I think it, there's like paintings 500 years ago where people are holding like mirrors, but they have faces on them and they're talking on this weird device, which is a phone, right? This, these ideas have been in our minds forever, and, and some people just are capable of tapping in to those ideas or more of they're willing, they're willful to be a vessel of these ideas. They're willful to let these ideas possess them, and then they give them to us, and we watch them. But modern-day stories are in TV shows, right? And so people are like, wow, when uh, there was a Californ- the California wildfires – People were driving by these fires and they had videos and they were like, wow, it's like a movie. This is this is like on a movie. And it's and you just think and you're like, no, no. The movie is telling you what reality is like. Reality is not replicating the movie, you moron. This is a movie. Whoa, this is like on the TV shows. It's how how stupid are you? Do you not understand that these we're, humans are not capable of really creating anything. We're only capable of revising, of reiterating. Right. What has been all the stories that we've created are 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 stories that have happened. Every secret agent show you've watched, every story of even aliens. There's some idea. There's there. It could be that even the stories of aliens. You know, like one big one is that uh, like praying mantises. That's a big one of like these bug-like creatures coming down and consuming us. Right. That that pops up a lot, and you have to wonder why is this is this the same thing where there's some future that our subconscious our our soul can tap into, and our subconscious mind knows of what's going to happen, and it's it's almost warning us, and it's doing it through movies, and we just kind of pass it off. And I'm not literally saying praying mantises are going to fly down. I don't have my tinfoil hat on for that, but. <laughs> It's something, something like that, at least something similar, you know, um, the idea that aliens exist is becoming more and more apparent. And I don't know if they're literal or I don't think they're biological organisms. Right. And I think that's the biggest difference I have. Um, I don't think they're biological green men on a different planet that built their home base and they're exploring. I think if there was a biological um, space is just too big for space travel. It's just not feasible. The only way to sp- travel space is to break gravity, which is possible. Gravity is a force just like just like a wind. We can walk through wind, right? So we have the technology to drive through wind. If you get advanced enough, there's some idea that you could drive through gravity. We know that gravity influences time, so gravity is higher than time. If you can influence gravity, you can now in- influence time. And so you could literally just warp across the cosmos outside of gravity, therefore outside of time. So you could travel across the universe without ever wasting time. Because the biggest thing is that if you're traveling within time, 
uh, you have to deal with duration and the universe is too big to deal with duration. There's just not enough time to travel unless you're an immortal being. So it could be that there's these spiritual forces out there who exist outside of time or what we would refer to as spiritual, but they're probably biological like us, just really advanced. Um, they exist outside of time and they manifest in the form of something that is akin to a bug, right? right. Or a lizard. That's another thing. The lizard people. They're right. not literal lizards. They're, they're beings that possess the same consciousness as something like a lizard. They're not bugs. They're most rooted in the deep bowels of evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a bug as like a bug mind. Right. And it manifests to us because maybe it doesn't have a physical body, but it manifests externally to us as a bug, because that's the closest thing we have as a, as an image to express what that consciousness looks like or a lizard. It's not that it actually is a lizard. It's just that our, our minds and our eyes are incapable of seeing what truly is. And so it, it, it represents itself in the closest thing that our minds have capable of understanding. And it might be a lizard, right? Right. But it, you know, that's, that's a tinfoil hat shit. It is, it is interesting. Sorry, I've been babbling for a long ass time. No, no, no. You're good. I see, I see like, where you're going. Do you, do you think that's too crazy? Well, I mean, to do like, I don't know, to, to, in my opinion, to, to discredit any idea because it's quote, like too crazy in today's day and age is just a misinterpretation of reality fundamentally, because reality is stranger than fiction easily than like any fiction that's ever been created. Reality yeah. is such a is such a gargantuan, like mysterious fucking experiment. It just doesn't make sense. It's not really fundamentally logical. So, so I feel like dis- anybody who dismisses somebody because oh that's that's like crazy, man. That's so crazy because it's it's something that doesn't really it isn't like a uh, sensory. I guess it's something that's a lot deeper than that. And that requires a lot more attention than that. I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a good way to like dismiss something is, is just yeah. because it's not, it's not simple. It's not, it's not, it doesn't really coexist with reality in a, a way that our senses can, can match it. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, no, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that could be too crazy. Not at all. Not at all. But the Neuralink shit is definitely not. And I definitely think that, yeah when people had visions when i think who was it was it was paul right who had the the vision of revelations uh um, i think it was john revelation. was it john yeah it, it was, was john, john. Because I, I know there was two of them there was mm-hmm. two johns and two pauls and i knew whoever it was had another one with the same name um yeah john it could have been the same thing he was just accessing the collective myth the sl- right. collective dream right. that we all have access to a few are possessed by it and express it just like movie writers, you know, nowadays, but you know, and, and he could just have been saying, I don't, he, the only the way he knew how to describe it was the antichrist. Right. Right. Like, because it's like when he saw it, he probably didn't know what he was seeing, but he knew because he was being guided through angels and seeing it from a spiritual plane. He knew, Oh, this thing, whatever this is, whatever this being is, this corporation, this person is, it's, 
it's putting humans in the position of the exact opposite of what Christ wanted, which was sacrifice and death. Uh, and if they take, if you take that away, if you take the, like even memories, think about net memories is a memory sweet. If you always have access to it, is it even a memory? Like I know that's, that's my issue is it's not a memory at that point. I feel like, I feel like reality itself is completely convoluted and you can't follow a timeline. And what makes memories so powerful is the fact that they're not, you can't have them anymore. Right. Right. You, if you take that away, like, let's say I want to go back and I want to experience. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, partially what makes memory powerful though. I mean, ultimately is just that it's, it's a, it's a fundamental thing that shows us what we shouldn't do anymore. And what, the things that we should try well, to replicate. That's the only point of memory. I mean, I guess from a very like black and white aspect, but I think memories are more. I I, I do see your point. I do see your point, and and I do agree with you. I think that's a very good use for memories, but I think memories also the best use for memory is going back and experiencing the best. Yes, you should go back every now and then and you should realize the worst and you should learn from your mistakes and you should never forget them. And they hurt when you go back and look at them. Right. Uh, You probably should do it a lot. But that doesn't mean that you think people are going to use that technology to go back and relive their worst moments. You know, (laughs) like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go back. I have this access to all my memories, all the best times of my life. And I'm going to go back to that one time I just really fucked up and live that again. Right. It's like, ah, probably not. They'll probably go to right. that time they fucked that girl in high school and they didn't, you know, they never had a, a girl like, you know Maybe what I mean? Like they never out. had the opportunity again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, like I'm talking about like a good memory, like that drunk ass girl who didn't even know who she was no, sleeping, I know. slept with her, but they were fully aware and it was the highlight of their life. Um, and <laughs> it's like stuff like that, you know, they're going to go relive that shit, some shallow ass Um but even for like me, like my dog, you know, there's some moments when my dog, I remember right before I moved into the van, um, me and Cody were really close and I had cleaned out my room and it was empty and there was like a sunset. My, my window had access to a sunset. So whenever it's like the sun was setting, it would just like nice. blow up my room with all the colors of the sunset. Night, mm. The room was empty. My brother and my dad were gone. It was the last night I was going to be in that house. Me, my brother, and my dad were all splitting up. My brother was going into the military. I was going to live in a van. We had lived like that. We have lived together for, you know, probably three three years, you know, um, yeah. being buddies. And so things were changing. And there's always that quiet before right, things before, really change, right? right? Before there's, you there's go into the, the warm yeah. area. And and I remember I was sitting and I wasn't going to have Cody, right? And that was probably the biggest change in my life because I had always been with Cody uh, since I was six. I mean, that was my dog. And uh, I remember sitting in that room with my room being orange and pink, right? And Cody was sitting in front of me. I was sitting on the floor and I remember looking at him, right? And there was, he was looking back at me and there was, Something so transcendental about this moment when I looked into his eyes and he looked in mine and there was like, it was, it was pure love and it, and it was, he was feeling it. It wasn't me projecting it. Right. We right. were, we were talking and he Aww. knew what was happening. <laughs> like, so and I was like, and it was just, it was, it was a type of love. I can't even describe. Right. It, it was, it was a moment that you can't even 
it's like a, a psychedelic trip almost. You can't even describe this look where it was like, it will never be like this again. And we both knew it. This dog knew it. I swear it knew it. And, and there was just a moment where I just sat and he looked at me and I looked at him and we just appreciated it. Right. And, right. and from there, everything changed, but I will never forget that moment. Like I still get goosebumps thinking about it because it was, it, it was a type of love and it was a, it was a, it was a, a, a version of reality that I don't think most people ever experience. Just in that one moment, that one, I was in a different plane, right? And people describe it while having sex and shit. And, but mine is when I was looking at my dog, right? <laughs> Where you go to this, you go to this different state and you understand, or people have it when they have kids, right? And that's a big, mm. everybody will always say, you just won't understand until you have kids. I, I do understand. I've been there. I, I know, right? I know. I know what it is like. Transcendental to love. Yeah. Transcendental love. And you sure. can, you can, it's sure it's silly. It's not a human, but it was, it was another life that I, I can't explain it. I can't, I can't even explain it. And I don't, I don't need to explain it. I don't need anybody else. It, like it's, but that right there, I would go back and live that forever. I would not even because I, because I want to see that. But if I went back, I would, I would pervert the memory. It would not be the same. Right. Cause I would go back right. expecting it, you know, and, and it's just, it wouldn't be the same. And so there's an idea that what makes memories truly powerful is the fact that they're gone. Just like the that. fact that they're untouchable, yeah. The, they're the unmalleable. Fact they're 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 concrete. Life. Exactly, yeah. So what makes life important is death. That's what gives life meaning. And that's Right, the- that's what gives human beings meaning. Coming back yeah. to uh oh god, I'm not going to try to do this again. Do it. I'm not gonna try to. I'm not gonna try to do this again. It's like the last three podcasts. I've tried to. I've tried to fucking come up with this quote, and I can never think of the word. All right. It's All right. like the reason that human beings exist, right? Is because we have we exist for a length of time. We have all of these flaws. We have all of these. Um, we 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 basically we're fundamentally cursed by nature, and we have to do our best to uprise out of that, right? Yeah. And like God, on the other hand, is eternally blessed by nature. So like sort of, you know, because he's omnipresent, omnipotent, like omnipotent, omnipresent, like um, unending, all powerful, whatever, all the, all the ideas you can give God. But the reason that we have value is because we are we aren't that we, we have our flaws. We have our end. We have a point in time where we die. Like that's what gives us value. That's what makes our experiences important. Yeah, I agree. Alan Watts has a good quote. I got to listen to him. I got to read him. He says, really, the fundamental, ultimate mystery. The only thing you need to understand uh, to the deepest metaphysical secrets is this. That for every outside, there is an inside. And for every inside, there is an outside. And although they are different, they go together. And applying that to what we were just talking about is that there's there's one aspect of life that existence that is necessary and that is death life needs death and death needs life and although they are different they go together if you take one away it's no longer the same thing right take if you take away death life no longer means anything and not only that 
like if you take away death, you can never be resurrected. And that's right. the point. That's why we're here. We're here to be resurrected, to be reborn. You, you, like, think about that. Like, and people, but people are going to jump at it, man. It's going to start with virtual reality to ease us into it. That's going to be the first thing. And that's, that's getting going to get popular real, real soon. Virtual reality is going to ease us into the idea of artificial existence and it's going to do it well. I and mean, then, you've already been eased into that idea. I see, I see. It's not commercial. It's not who commercial. probably, who probably look like you, um, at the end of the day, you know, kind of like monsters who exist in, the, in a basement and haven't haven't t- tickled the rays of sunshine in about 30 years who emerge out of a world of Warcraft basement into the grocery store to go buy their Doritos and Mountain Dew. I yeah, mean, yeah. it already exists. I bring yeah. umbrella when I have, when I go outside. Yeah, I know you need to because you burn instantaneously. Burn instantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't like it. Don't like You're it. At fucking all. vampire, you would die. And I need an extra large umbrella to. to You're so vitamin D deficient. If you came within 24 miles of a COVID patient, you would instantly die. Yeah. Your lungs would your lungs would close up. But one thing about me is I'm just massive. I'm a little overweight and I'm nerdy, but I'm just gigantic, and I got a fucking big ass dick so i still i still get girls big yeah. ass white dick yeah yeah big ass fluorescent i still, I still get bulb, basement. Uh, i live in a basement i don't go on the sun all i do is play video games but i just and i'm ugly as shit but i'm just i take up space you know i just i just take up space and there's something about taking up space that really just draws them in just reels them in i just right. own my you know, right, right. Not every, like you, you, I know you're, you know, five, four and shit, but when <laughs> you're, like, you're like me and you just take up space, it, you live differently for you. You have to go out, you have to get the girl, you know, you have to buy her a shit ton of drinks. You have to buy her all this shit. You have to yeah. say all the right words at all the right times, or you will not see pussy. And who knows how long you have to be perfect and you have to dress really well. You have to have a very sharp intellect. You have to be very engaging in discussion. You have to go to the right restaurants. You have to be very nice to your parents. Me, don't worry about it. I don't, I don't say the right things. I don't do the right things. I don't work out. I'm not smart, but you know what? I just take up space. And so when I take up space, that's all I need to do. So I'm a slob. I'm a jerk. I'm an idiot. But at the end of the day, still get them. You, you get one every now and then. It's like a fish net. I'm like I'm I'm like the fisherman with Jesus Relax. on the boat. Old man in the sea. Old man in the sea. My fish is bigger than yours. My fish no, is no, more no. powerful. You're, My fish sustains me. My you're, fish sustains you're fishing me. Jesus in the boat. I'm fishing after Jesus in the boat. Okay. There's a difference. Right, 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 right. Fishers of men. No, 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 no. Not fishers of men. Fishers of pussy. And and Jesus <laughs> called him up, bro. He's just called him up to me, and I'm just reeling away. I'm just We're reeling away. away. You're, you're, away. In boat, you're in the boat before Jesus. Can't catch one fish, caught a boot. Me? Me? I'm just they're just flopping into the boat. Can't even can't even hold them. The boat's going underwater and I'm still catching them. Can't help it. Taking up space. All right, we'll end it there. We'll end it there. All right. Good